Open your Bibles with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I uh, was thinking this morning, we could have bought less fish if I'd have preached this last week on fasting. Fasting. Isn't this a Baptist church? Do we do that? Well, it actually says here, when you fast. So there's an expectation of the Lord that we fast. Uh, so I want to look at that passage today in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. We'll be looking at that. Uh, you know, this falls in line with a theme that has been happening uh, and that uh, God has been leading in for some time now here at Westwood Baptist Church. And that is of uh, spiritual disciplines. We've been trying to urge you in spiritual disciplines, reading the Word of God, praying, fasting, uh, journaling, all these different things. Uh, and uh, so, and we, we want that because as Christians, we want to, we want to be sharp. One of the values that we hold to in our church is to raise the standard of biblical literacy. I believe one of the greatest problems in society today is a lack of understanding what the Word of God says. I think that goes beyond society. I think that's a problem with many churches today. That there is a lack of having any understanding of what the Bible says and what the Bible means. And I think it's very important for us to do that, for us to be sharp. There was a young lumberjack. Uh, he had learned the trade. He was still quite young and vigorous. And he'd gotten quite good and quite a reputation of how fast he took down trees. And so he was, you know, feeling a little proud of himself, so he decided he would challenge one of the old-timers who'd been cutting down trees for years, and he was known for his skill and how fast he took down trees. And so he challenged him, and they were off. They were swinging their axes. This was before the days of the chainsaw. And they were swinging their axes, and they were felling trees all day long. The young guy, of course, he was just, he was vigorous, like I said. He was, he was uh, after, uh, you know, this victory. And so he never stopped. He just kept swinging that axe. He just kept swinging that axe. And he decided, you know what? I, I, I think I'm going to be fine. I, I think I'm going to be able to, to do this because he looked over and the old timer would take a 15-minute break every hour. He said, I've got this in the bag. Got to the end of the day, and the old-timer had taken down a third more trees than the young lumberjack. In disbelief, he walked over to the old-timer, and he said, How did you take down so many more trees than me? And you were taking a 15-minute break every hour. I never took a break. The old-timer just looked at him and said, Every time I took a break, I took time to sharpen my axe. You know, as believers, 
We need to sharpen our axe. We need to continually be honing the skills. We need to continually to be honing our desires for the living God. Years ago, I, I think I was probably doing the same thing I'm doing now. I was preaching through Sermon on the Mount. And I came to this text and knew absolutely nothing about fasting. Okay? Nothing. And man, I just started grabbing every book I could find, okay? I mean, and I just, I was just looking on my bookshelf. I still have some of them. I was kind of like, boy, I need to call these, you know? I had one by Tony Evans. And then I had one by Jerry Falwell. Don't judge me, okay? You know, I had a couple by Elmer Towns. And I had one by Ronnie Floyd. And I remember reading those things and just feeling terrible guilt, you know, because I didn't fast. And all of them kind of had the same theme. If you're looking to know God or gain something or achieve something, fast. It didn't seem right to me that if you want to get something from God, do this. Sounds manipulative to me. I mean, I'm a parent, you know, or I was. My kids are all grown up, good boys. I didn't like being manipulated by kiddos because they can, can't they? Grandkids can do that too. No, that, that, that's, I didn't want that. But they all kind of had that theme to them, it seemed like. If you're not getting what you want from God, you're not doing it right, or something to that effect. And it's kind of like, this is kind of weird. And so, you know, there's a couple of books I want to point you toward, okay? Because I am not going to cover all of fasting today by any means. The first one is the one that we have actually taught through. Uh, I think Josh, a couple of semesters ago, taught through this book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life uh, by Donald Whitney. Uh, I encourage you, if you do not have this book, to get this book. And He has a chapter on fasting in here. It's very helpful. Um, uh, but this one is going through the spiritual disciplines, all the, way, uh, all the ones that he, he brings up. And so I, I encourage you toward that book. What kind of changed my thinking about fasting was reading another book uh, several years ago. And it was this one, A Hunger for God by John Piper. This one probably uh, I'll lean on a little more today than I probably ought. Too, so I'll just say, hey, John Piper, you know, instead of saying his name all the way through it, I'll just tell you. All right, so I, I want you to see that there, there was, a, and, and here's why, that just the, the way that he approaches it. Listen to this. Our appetites dictate the direction of our lives, whether it be the cravings of our stomachs, the passionate desire for possessions or power, or the longings of our spirits for God. 
But for the Christian, the hunger for anything besides God can be an arch enemy. While our hunger for God and Him alone is the only thing that will bring victory. Our hunger for Him. Not our hunger for what He can give. Not our hunger for His gifts. But our hunger for Him. Knowing Him. Loving Him. So as we look at this, I want to remind us first of all of how we approached the beginning of Matthew 6 because he starts off Matthew 6 with beware of practicing righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. He then gives three illustrations of practicing our righteousness. Giving, Praying, and now this one, fasting. Um, and so it's important for us to understand what Jesus is saying when he says that. And one is that there's a danger in doing righteousness before men to be seen by them. There's a danger in that. There's a danger of man-pleasing or seeking to impress people with our righteousness. That righteousness would be one of our own rather than the righteousness that has been wrought by the Spirit of God. Speaking of a danger, man-pleasing focuses on the act rather than the motive or the result. Why do you give? Why do you pray? Why? Is it for the praises of men or is it for the praises of God? He certainly uh, shows us that the hypocrites or the Pharisees, in this case, do so for the praises of men. They want people to see how righteous they are. And so we have to be aware of this danger. We don't want to practice righteousness so that we will be praised, so that people see how great we are, so that people see how holy we are, so they'll see how righteous we are, so they'll see what good people we are. The practice of righteousness is so that God sees us. So another danger uh, in practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them Another danger is in seeking our reward from the wrong source. Whoever you're trying to impress will give you your reward. If you're trying to impress men, then the reward will be their praises. Take that over to Walmart and see what you get. Nothing. Why would someone want to impress men? 
because they're the center of their whole world and their whole self. Why would someone want to impress man? So they will think you are more righteous than you really are. Sometimes we seek to impress ourselves so that we'll feel good about ourselves. So we have to beware of these dangers. Here in verse 16, he says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So these hypocrites, these who have a mask of righteousness on, they're wearing this mask of righteousness. They disfigure their faces. They don't clean their faces. They walk around gloomy, bags under the eyes, you know, dark circles, you know. They haven't been eating much, so they're weak, and they, they droop a little more than, than they would normally droop. They want people to ask, well, hey, what's wrong? Oh, I've been fasting, you know. They want the praises of men. It's what they long for. And so he says, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Wash your face, anoint your head, that your fasting may not be seen by others. Now, People, when they fast, sometimes they are invited to lunch or they're invited to dinner and they may go and they just say, I'm, I'm not eating. I'm just going to sit here with you and enjoy the fellowship. That's perfectly fine. Are you fasting? Yes. That's perfectly okay. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he's talking about is the motive for which you are doing it. These guys want people to think that they are righteous. That's not your motive in saying, yeah, I am. And that's it. Perfectly fine. But what is fasting? And what is fasting not? I mean, here in Baptist circles, we, we may not have much of an understanding of fasting other than what the doctor tells you to do before you're going to have a particular test when you uh, go in to see him the next day. They may say, hey, you know what? We're going to take some blood work. I want you to fast. Kind of like, doc, you've got to give me more warning than that, okay? I mean, well, let's move this thing to next week so I can set myself up and get myself ready to fast, okay? I mean, I need to taper down. I'm just kidding. A little bit. So we're kind of used to that. We're used to fasting for health purposes because there is a healthiness that comes along with fasting for a day or two. Okay? There's a cleansing effect that uh, fasting brings, and it's very healthy for us. But... What is fasting not? 
Well, we need to understand a couple of things. Let me point to a couple of things. First, what fasting is not. Second, what fasting is. Those are my two points if you want to write those things down. What fasting is not. It's not to be viewed as a means of righteousness. In other words, you can't fast to be saved. You're not going to become saved because you fast. It instead is a means of delighting in God, of finding our joy in God. It's a means of calibrating the one who is searching, the one who is moving in the direction of the living God. It's to calibrate our desires. It's not to be viewed as a means of righteousness. What is it? It says it's withholding food, abstaining from food for the sake of prayer. For the sake of drawing near to God. Not for the sake of, hey God, I'm going to fast until you give me this. It's not a means of righteousness. It's a means of calibration for the one who is searching. The one who is pursuing the living God. Calibrates us. It helps us to see I don't depend on this. I depend on him. Now, for us who don't miss many meals, it has a pretty hefty effect when you first try to do it. Hey, I'm going to skip lunch today. Not really. I'm not going to skip today. I'm talking about Maybe I have that choice one day. I'm going to skip lunch today. And I'm going to use that time to pray. And somebody calls up and says, hey, you want to go to lunch? Where are you going? Well, I'm going to go, you know, to Harkat and Loose. Yeah, I'm there. See, I just broke it. I just demonstrated something. Chicken fried steak is what controls me. There's a lot of men out there going, yeah, that's true. I, I, I get it. But oh, how we miss the beauty of feasting on God. It's far better than chicken fried steak. Yeah, I said it. He is far better. It calibrates us. I mean, so often we have that thought, well, I'm going to fast lunch today, and somebody calls up, and we do that, and we do it without even thinking. We're already on our way when we think about it. 
We go, oh, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Anybody? I'll do that tomorrow. That ought to calibrate you. That ought to make you go, wow. It was that easy to pull me away. Another thing that fasting is not, fasting is not to be viewed as a means of moving God to your desire. It's not a means of moving God to your desire. Probably Isaiah 58 gives us a, a glimpse at that thought. And perhaps Isaiah 58 even, uh, even influenced uh, how Jesus thought about fasting. But in Isaiah 58, uh, we find the prophet writing, recording the words uh, that God spoke to Israel. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And they do that by asking these questions. Look, verse 3. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such, the fast, is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? One of the books that I mentioned earlier actually uses this phrase, fasting moves the heart of God. Actually, fasting moves us nearer to the heart of God. Fasting moves us nearer to his heart, to his desire. Fasting is not to change God's desire. Fasting is to call us, move us to where he is. It's humbling. It's humbling if you fast for a day and you start off and you don't have breakfasts. And then you don't have lunch. And then you don't have supper. And then you're going to bed. And your old stomach is reminding you, hey, you didn't have breakfast, lunch, or supper. And it's there where you feed. 
on God. It's there where you look to him for the rest that you need. Rather than it giving you the tremors. <laughs> See, I have to eat all the time because I get tremors. I'm kidding, I don't. It's like to eat. But when you've gone all day and you're laying there in bed and you know, you know that there is a fresh, unopened box of bluebell in there. Or maybe some pulled pork that if you just warmed it up and put a little sauce on there. We got like 20 minutes till lunch, folks, okay? You could nibble on that. But instead, fasting, what it does is it draws our hearts and our minds away from those things, from fulfilling the appetites of the body, so that the appetite of the soul will be filled with the living God. We're not trying to move God's heart. We're trying to move our own heart into a place where our satisfaction is in Him. Our desires are for Him. Fasting is about pursuing, about seeking. Daniel said in Daniel 9.3, So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him. Put all other things aside. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. I love that. God said, man, if you're looking for me, I am not playing peekaboo. I am not playing hide and seek. If you're seeking me, you're going to find me. I will make myself conspicuous to you. That's what the language is saying there. Fasting is viewed as someone who is pursuing him. But fasting is not a means of righteousness. It's not a means of moving God to our desire. What is it? Well, fasting is forfeiting what is good rather than what is evil. It's abstaining from something that is good rather than from something that is bad or evil. We know food is good. Don't argue with me. Paul wrote to Timothy, it's all good. It's received with thanksgiving, right?
but we're giving up what is good rather than what is evil. Forfeiting what is evil is called repentance. Okay? Forfeiting what is good is called fasting for the sake of pursuing God. Laying aside food. Abstaining from food. Now, some people can't do that. I mean, because of medical conditions and so forth, we've got to be aware of that. We've got to understand that. There are various things you can do. I can't get into those. If you read any on it, you'll, you'll learn there are various things that can be done that are fasting. But we give up what is good, food. We give up, I mentioned chicken fried steak already. It's always going to be meat, you know, brisket, ribeye. Pulled pork, I already said that. Obviously, I love that. Everybody's growing hungrier. You'll have an appetite. But we give up these good things. It's giving up something that is good. I think it's important to note, however, that we're forfeiting what is good for what is best. And that is pursuing the living God. Desiring to draw nearer to Him. Man, that's our hearts as, as Christians. We want to be close to Him, don't we? Don't you want to draw near to Him? Don't you want to know God more? Certainly setting aside a time for the word of God and for prayer, for fasting, gives us opportunity for fasting, gives us opportunity for the others. Another thing I want us to point, see that fasting is, is the fasting is a friend to prayer. You can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast without praying. You can't fast biblically without praying. It's so important for us to understand that fasting is not just, hey, I'm going to I'm going to, you know, plow right on through this. I'm just going to keep on going and not eat. No, there's something that ought to be done while that fasting is going on, and that is pursuing God and his word and in prayer. So we're praying, we're seeking God. What, what, what do we attain by that? We obtain relationship with God, a, a focus on Him. We learn what controls us. Fasting begs that question, what controls you? What is it? What controls you? It's a really important question. And I want to talk about that for a moment. Fasting is a friend with prayer. And we come and we pray. 
And perhaps that's what we even bring to God. Lord, this controls me. It may not be food. It may be something else. Lord, I'm seeking you. I want to know you. I want to see you. And I want you to be greater than this. third thing and then we move into what controls you fasting is preferring God over his gifts food is certainly his gift I thank God for the gift of food I thank God that he did not make all food taste alike right I mean he didn't I mean there's some things like liver does that qualify as a food? It's not connected to a bone somehow. Some people just like liver. They talk about it like I talk about a ribeye. Can't do it. Just can't. But I want you to know that, I mean, the... the, the the food that we have, it has ribeye has a distinctive flavor. Flavor, bluebell ice cream. And now wait, Rick. Now you're moving into this stuff that we process and everything. Everything in bluebell, God created everything. Okay. But He gave meat the flavor that it has. I love that. He gave broccoli the flavor that it has. Rick, broccoli really doesn't have flavor as much as it has texture. If you put enough butter and cheese and salt on it, it has flavor. Brussels sprouts. God put flavor in food. Why? So we could enjoy it. Isn't that true? What a beautiful gift he has given easy for us to make those gifts ultimate and God second to them and fasting certainly helps to recalibrate our hearts and our minds and our thinking so fasting is preferred or preferring God over his gifts. So we ask that question, what controls you? Many people eat to medicate their pain. Richard Foster writes, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside us with food and other things. All of us medicate our pain with food. What fasting does is it calibrates. It causes us to shift our focus from hunger for food to hunger for God. 
And so we need to understand not to prefer those things. We desire other things. We have the desire for other things. And that can be troublesome and dangerous. In Luke chapter 8, we find there the parable of the soils. And in verse 14, it says this, Luke chapter 8, verse 14, And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear the word. But as they go on their way, they are choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. The pleasures of this life can stun our growth, and all the pleasures that we have in this life can be the gifts of God. And even those things can hinder us from desiring the one who gave them. The pleasures of this life can be preferred over God. Luke 14, we find that Jesus is giving a, he's giving this parable of the great banquet and that's, they send out and they say, hey, send out. I want you to invite some people. He gave a great banquet and he invited many. And in this parable, we see at the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. I bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. Where'd you get the money to buy that field? Hey, who made that field? Well, the, God did. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Can you imagine God saying, come, come spend time with me. Come and pray. I want to hear from you, child. God, I got a thing. Can I do this later? How often we put God on hold for the good things that we have in our life. Fasting helps us to calibrate those things. It helps us to uh, work out how we should be with our God and spend time with Him. Our desire for things are things we enjoy. I mean, meat and potatoes, coffee. Anybody love coffee in here? I know you do, okay? I mean, 
I see a lot of millennials out here. Y'all think you invented coffee. It was here before you. The millennial dust, however, that you put in it, okay, that's yours. That's what I call it, millennial dust. If it has flavor to it, it's millennial dust. More power to you, okay? I don't want it. We love these things. Reading, I see some of y'all, y'all are huge readers. You love to read. Gardening, traveling, watching TV, surfing the internet, shopping, exercising. None of these are evil in and of themselves, but they can become deadly substitutes for the living God. Deadly substitutes for the living God. You can turn your whole life over to them and love those things more than God. What's the benefit of fasting? Setting this time aside and saying, Lord, I'm going to pray during this time. Lord, I'm going to pour out to you all the things that are on my heart that you already know. But Lord, during this time, also, I need to know that you are more to me. than the meal I would have eaten. I need to know in a land of abundance that I have everything I will ever need to eat. That might not age well. That you are more important than a single meal or a second meal or a third meal. You are more important than the gifts you have given me. That's what he's calling us to. That's what he calls us to every day. My encouragement to you, if you're not practicing this, some of you may not be able to, that's fine. Just physically. But I encourage you to consider what Jesus evidently expects when he says, when you fast. Consider utilizing this spiritual discipline in your life. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for how you've loved us. God, also, Lord, how you have put before us disciplines. Things to sharpen us as your children. Things to hone us in our faith and in our practice, in our thinking, in our doctrine. And Father, we want to be faithfully sharpened by you, by your word. And Lord, we want to be faithful in disciplining ourselves for the sake of godliness. And Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, in accomplishing that. 
we want to be godly. And these disciplines are disciplines you've given us to practice that godliness. Father, none of us will ever be perfect in this life. Lord, but we want to be pursuers of the holiness that you've called us to. And so, God, let this discipline and the other disciplines have place in our life that we would discipline ourselves and that we would demonstrate that you are our greatest treasure of all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.